Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the Leesburg Talk podcast. Today, sitting around the table, we've got our, our regular five, Courtney, Zach, Sammy, Matt, and myself. Hello. And uh, how's everybody doing today? Good, eh? Good. Awesome. Well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> well. I decided I was going to start it different this week. And then, and then we, we, we reversed. Yeah. 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 We always go back to our comfort zone. That's true. Well, hello. Uh, good weekend this weekend. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> week, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> a week two of success and failure. Yeah, sermon series. So, failure, success, whatever. And yeah. so far, that's a success. Uh, well, well, we'll see. <laughs> you know? He's teaching us how to fail upwards, so that's could it. Could be a fail. I don't know. That's actually. Should I say this? Okay, I'll say this. Yes. That's yeah. actually is is what I am entitling a book I'm working on: failing forward. Wow. Somehow I fell forward. No, you have to. Hey, listen, I don't know much about success, but I know how to fail. (laughs) So, what do I do with that, right? (laughs) Hey, he's preaching truth. So, I'm serious. I mean, everybody can can relate to failure. The question is, what do you do with it? We all fail. So, I think our walk with the Lord depends on how we deal with our failures, more so maybe than it does with our successes. Fantastic. So, we'll see. I'm working on it. That's cool. Are you How, gonna, is there going to be a chapter about basketball in there? Uh, ping pong. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, maybe next there will be, right? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that's cool. Failing forward. Failing forward. Successful on shelves. March of next year, maybe? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah all right. <laughs> March of 2028. 2028. <laughs> on a podcast. On a podcast. Out of Leesburg, Kentucky. That's funny. Uh, so, uh, Courtney, how was your weekend? It was good. Anything exciting? It was pretty wild in the kids' area. We had fun. We had lots of babies. Lots of babies. That's I good. I got recruited to for the nursery, which is, what is it, preschool purgatory? Yes. Yes. Pediatric purgatory. Pediatric purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> it was good, though. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like hey, it. Hey, you know. That's good. That's good. I'm old. <laughs> I've seen it all. <laughs> well, fantastic! So you you made it out of the nursery. I did. I love to tell the story. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's so good. you and Todd freshly married. Y'all thinking about a little ones yet? After being in there, huh? Oh, yeah. good. <laughs> well, they, they were good for a while. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it's, it's always good to borrow true. one or two, and yeah. It just that's reminds true. you how good your life is. Are you saying how all our suck? No, I just I love sleeping, and nursery is a good reminder. You know, I got two kids, and they love sleeping. They they love it. Uh, Reagan did not want to wake up this morning, and so uh, Bryson just happened to find a little five pack of some Hershey's milk chocolates, and I was like, I know how to perk her up. So on the ride in, I pull this out, and I'm watching her through the rearview mirror. I see her eyes kind of like, what is that? And I break her little piece off, and I hand it back, and she's like, oh, no. She's gnawing it down. Before you know it, she's a happy little happy little girl going into school. So there you go. <laughs> you just got to know how to handle them. There's like, there's, you know, there's points in your life, marriage, and then early marriage, where people give you all kinds of advice. And oh, yeah. There's a contingency of people that are like, yes, get married. Yes, have kids. But there's a greater group of people that have done it. Mm-hmm. And, they're like, <laughs> and they're like, ah. No. Enjoyed life. Yeah. Yeah. Not that kids are bad. Not that kids are it bad. It just changes everything. Yeah, yeah, my wife got on a soapbox over there with the students. She's like, enjoy. 
your young adulthood. Uh, you uh-huh. know, don't have kids uh-huh. right away, but you know, we love our kids. We love them. But you know, you know when you really think about it from a uh, being a Christ follower, or a Christian perspective, it can be an overwhelming thought. You're bringing a human being with mm-hmm. a soul that is going to spend an eternity somewhere, and that can be overwhelming. Yeah, it can. It yeah. can be really, really yeah. overwhelming. It didn't dawn on me that like the responsibility, how serious it was, until we were in the car with Bryson leaving the hospital, and I was like, man. But Bryson was Bryson was great. Bryson was great. So um I look at it a couple of ways, Courtney. You might think of it like this, you know. You think early on you want to get out as a young married couple and travel a little bit, see some stuff, experience some stuff. Um, but also you're delaying that childhood years as well, and you need a lot of energy for that. You know, you, you need a lot of energy and, also, and Todd's definitely got I think Todd's gonna have it forever, and then maybe once they're out of the house. Which hopefully is eighteen. I'm hoping mine are eighteen. No, that doesn't and look it's, like it's, that. It's over and done. Eighteen and done. Um, <laughs> We're and moving. And then we can enjoy it. Yeah, and then we can enjoy it. You know. Well, here's the thing, though. Like you can put off and you can enjoy your young married years together mm-hmm. and travel and stuff. The problem is you don't have any money. Yeah, that's that's, what you're say. that's the great paradox yeah. of the whole right. thing. It's like By the time have you have it, money, yeah, yeah. They're, it's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just want to sit down and <laughs> you don't want to go, to go anywhere. <laughs> it's like what? we really need to reshape our society. Like you make the most you'll ever make when you're 20. Yeah. Well, I always said and it's backwards. It's, I it's, wish we could be born old. And die young. Benjamin yeah. Buttons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't yeah. that be awesome? Yeah, you end your life a sparkle in someone's eye. Yeah, I've, I've read some poem like that. I think I might have uh, had allergy reaction to that at the moment. Well, either way you either way you go, it was so you're, sweet. Well, either way you go in the end, you're still in diapers. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Makes no. That's, that's no. Only the good die young, maybe? right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to something <laughs> yeah, productive. Matt, how, how, how are you? Man, I'm, I'm really great. Um, I had a busy weekend. played two shows and then did all the church services. Uh, but pretty cool thing, my first show, Friday night, was that it's like the oldest um, Irish pub in Cincinnati. And the guy that I was playing with that night, we before we, got to, before we played, well, we just got to talking about life and faith and and he was just talking to me how he was kind of struggling with whether there was a God or not. You know, he just, he was like, I don't know where to start. And I said, well, I think for me, the where I started was, it was hard for me to, to believe in a life where there's no hope. If you're, if you're born from nothing and then you live your life for nothing and then you die for nothing, I doesn't make, that doesn't give me anything I want to write songs about. Like I can't, so I kind of came at it from that angle because he's a songwriter. And then he was like, "Well, I never really looked at it like that." And I yeah. said, "I said you're going to put faith in one of two paradigms. There's when you boil it all down, there either is a God or there isn't, right?" Yeah. And I said, "One offers immense hope, and one makes me wonder why in the world I even want to live life on this planet." Well, you know, you know the one thing we can't live without is motivation. Right. We got to be motivated to get up every day, yeah. and if if it's all for naught. I, I would have a lot of trouble with that personally. Yeah. And I just went into, like, you know, it, we're creatives. We write songs. Like, where did that come from? Yeah. What, you know, if, if truly there is no God and everything just came from nothing, I was like, I've never written a song from nothing. It came from something. <laughs> that's good. You know, and, and so that's how it started. And we played a show, and I think I made a friend, and, you know, he was just 
super open-minded. Like, uh, it was just a really great conversation. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's neat. That's neat. Very cool. Kind of reminds me of me when I was um, first just wondering about the faith. Yeah. I had guys come along just like you did and uh, just kind of spurred me on a little bit. And one of the most profound things, I think, and maybe a catalyst to me actually coming to church and accepting uh, Jesus was him at, just saying, hey, have you ever asked him to just help you believe? And I was, I thought it was stupid at the moment, but I was like, well, maybe I'll give this a shot. And here I am today. So. Yeah. One more, man. What Thanks was that guy's name? Derry Gillespie. Do you have an address for him? I'd <laughs> like to write him a letter. Up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you showed up. Yeah. You pick and choose. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on. Uh, if you don't care, let's move on to our big topic for today. Big topic. The big topic. The big topic comes really from an article that we saw on Facebook. Uh, it's going around, and, and the title of the article is something like a "Mega Church Pastor uh, uh, says says the Ten Commandments don't apply to Christians." Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so in order to launch into that conversation, because I saw that's got a lot of traffic on social media, and uh, maybe if you're listening to this, maybe you saw that article about Andy Stanley and uh, Georgia. Is that right? At that area, yeah. he's in Atlanta. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. ATF. So, uh, uh, let's kind of pull back from just a, for just a second. What was it 1980s when when uh, big Supreme Court case uh, went in and pushed and, and and the ACLU won and the Ten Commandments and prayer was removed from actually it was in 1980. I was 1980. in high school. Okay, 1980, and we had them in every room, and they came in. I was. I can remember him coming in our actual classroom and taking them off the wall. I can remember that. Isn't that wild? And so since before I was born. But here's the thing. That was 1980. I was born in 86. All right? But my entire life I have heard this argument that the biggest mistake we have made as a nation was removing the Ten Commandments from the schools. I've heard that constantly growing up. Have you all heard that argument? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard yeah. it. I, I don't necessarily I don't agree with it. I think why. that the biggest problem, the biggest mistake we've made is women's rights. Letting them out of the house <laughs> and out of the kitchen. I mean, that's just my, my two cents. But we're talking about this topic today. So, we'll, uh, Courtney, you had something you want to say? We're going to have to edit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, so, so school was removed back in the 80s, back in 1980. Uh, Ten Commandments was removed from school. And now we've got this mega church pastor with a huge following saying that the Ten Commandments no longer apply to us. In fact, he said, his words was, he said that Christians today need to unhitch from the Ten Commandments. So let's dive into this topic for just a second. Um, what, what do you think? Who wants to start off with this? Is he right? Is he wrong? Heretic? What? Can we go back to the... The Ten Commandments coming out of the school. Absolutely. I don't, I missed that boat. I don't understand much about it. What is the, why do people think that that is the biggest mistake? Well, it's not that hard to (laughs) explain, even though I'm stumbling on my words. Uh, I think the thought was, Courtney, that uh, um, kids in the school system, you know, the problems that they were facing in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, okay, that uh, how could it be wrong for them to glance up and see um, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not uh, lie or bear false testimony, thou shalt not, uh, or you should uh, honor your father and your mother. All those were values 
that in our in our faith society uh, felt like that were good catalysts that some seg most segments of society weren't hearing for various reasons. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that it would it would help the order because it was when I was in school that disorder started happening. That's when paddling began to wane out of the school system, corporal punishment. It was a lot of a lot of things were transitioning at that time. So a lot of people felt like that the schools were all the kids were all going to hell in a handbasket because they weren't hearing the values anymore that because the school systems you have to understand that when when America let's go way back when America first started and the school system in America first started it was actually a faith-based organization yeah. okay the schools were were an extension of church and the school teachers were all people of faith and so they used the Bible as a textbook to learn, teach people literature and how to read. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So <clears throat> the what what happened is there was some people who, knowing that history of America, when the Ten Commandments went out, it was like the straw. It was like the final pull of everything uh, faith-based being taken out of the school system. The secularization. Uh, of yeah, the secularization society. of okay. society. That's a good, good, good term. And I think that it kind of freaked everybody out in the faith-based community. Okay. So it's it's kind of a the the problem was though the problem was though is that it it wasn't addressing the real issue. the The real issue was is that homes and families were not living up to the responsibilities to right. teach kids, and they were expecting right. a school system right. to do something mm -hmm. that the church had failed to do, yeah. mm -hmm. and right. parents were failing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was the tension that you felt. The tension, I even got it way back when I was in high school. Of course, I was in church and fortunately was hearing some good messages. But I understood, even at a young age, that the part of the problem was is that Christianity is not the only faith in the world. Uh -huh. So if you open it up, and I had a lot of teachers that were not Christian, even back in my day. So... <clears throat> If you open that up, where does that, where do you draw the line? And who draws the line mm -hmm. if, if there's a separation of church and state? Because that was a big part of what was going on at that time, too. Separation of church and state. Separate, that's all you heard. Yeah. That's all you heard. So now, all of a sudden, if you allow Christianity in, then what, what prevents from every major religion in the world, which Islam was growing at the most rapid pace, even in that day, yeah. in the world. So what, what prohibits all faiths, how, how do you draw the line? I mean, how many, how much of the wall do you cover with their faith Religious stuff? Religious stuff. Religious paraphernalia, yeah, yeah. you know. So it started back then, I guess, was one of the big things. But that has kind of built over the years. Now, in, in, in context to what we're talking about today, and specifically Andy Stanley saying that Christians today need to unhitch from the Old Testament, let's dive into that just for a moment. One of the arguments he makes... In, in, in his in his thinking and his teaching uh, surrounding this controversy that's that's happened uh, is that often people are uh, losing their faith walking away from their faith or have lost their faith because they have a hard time seeing how archaeology and the Bible correlate they have a hard time seeing how history and the Bible correlate they see conflict there and because of the the specifically around Old Testament events, uh, they're walking away from their faith. And so his his point is uh, Christians need to unhitch from the Old Testament and focus primarily on the New Testament. So let's start with this question. Where is 
is he right with that? Is there a value with the Old Testament for us? How do we handle the Old Testament? Carefully. But, you know, let, let me add, though, there's a lot of archeolo archaeological evidence and secular science evidence that also validates That's right. a lot of the events. Oh, there have been towns that were never found mm -hmm. that said they did not exist that have been discovered, That's buried right. under eons of sand, okay? So the, there have been things that have validated Scripture, too. Absolutely. We have to understand we don't know everything. Yeah. Okay. We're just we're human. We're finite. We're discovering. So you know those were are things that were are continually being uh, dug up, literally. So we're we're learning. But I, I think the the tension for us comes. We claim to be a New Testament church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The re, you know for instance in the Christian church we're the restoration movement. We're restoring the New Testament church. I'm not sure we understand what that means. That, that's a little bit of a thing that needs to be defined. What does that mean? Well, what that means is, is that our faith is based on what Jesus Christ did for us. Mm -hmm. That he lived, died, rose again, is coming back, and has given us hope, the hope of heaven through what, his, what he did. That's the crux of, of, our, of our faith. The Old Testament, simply every bit of scripture, this is a strong belief of mine, all pointed to him. Everything was intended to pointed point to, to Jesus. Jesus. Yep. Uh -huh. All everything from Old Testament worship to sacrifice to altar uh, burning of incense with prayer. I mean, every we could get in a whole bunch of everything was intended to point to the whole crux of what God's scheme of redemption was for man, and that was Jesus Christ to make right a cursed world. Yeah. So, so let, let me dive in here. Matt, I'm going to ask you a question. Matt, when you became a Christian, you received a gift. I'm confident. What was that gift? The Word. You, you received the Word. You received the Bible. Yeah. Uh, and, and tell me about the instructions you were given with that Bible. <laughs> well, uh, pretty much read it every day. Uh -huh. You know, hide it, try to, try to learn what's inside of it so that you know it uh, even without having it in your hands. Uh, yeah. And... You know, and then most importantly, you know, look to the Holy Spirit to help you speak about it. Yeah. You know, uh, but yeah, it was it was kind of a you know we heard it like one of the verses I remember them hammering in our head was you know letting it be a light to our path. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so you were given this Bible and you said, okay, read it. Yeah. In order to be a good Christian, read this read Bible. It. But for the most part, you weren't given information or instruction as to what this Bible was. Right. See, what it's important for us to understand is what we have in front of us, what we call the Bible, hasn't always been. And God didn't write this Bible and put this Bible together the way we have it today, right? This has developed over the centuries. These are 66 individual books or letters that were put together. Uh, I, and it might be beneficial for us as we dive into the relevance of the New Testament for our lives. It might be beneficial for us to identify a little bit about the history of the Bible, Right. Specifically speaking, what we have in front of us today, the Bible, is organized in three around three major covenants. Right. The first covenant being with Abraham, and we see that story in Genesis and continuing. The second covenant is with a nation, Israel, and then the third co covenant, the New Testament, is what we call it. It's centered around Jesus. Right. Which is all progressive. All progressive. Everything is building upon its what was before it. Uh, everything's looking forward to the why the last covenant. 
Why? Because, well, Jesus came to fulfill, is, is that Well, what I'm saying is, is why do we have that? Because man screwed it up in the very beginning. That's true. Yeah, it's, we, we, it's the sin entered the world. Yeah, that's right. Okay, because the sin entered the world, a lot of people say, well, why didn't God do anything about this horrible world we live in? He's been doing it since the beginning. Yeah. It's that's been a right. progressive yeah. Yeah, yeah. contract with man to get it right. Yeah. Pointing to the cure yeah. for all man's ill. So, so we started with Abraham and, and the covenant with Abraham where God says, I'm going to bless your descendants. They're going to be as numerous as the stars. And he starts with that. And then he then Israel develops and he has a covenant with Israel. And that's what the Old Testament primarily is, is covenant with Abraham, covenant with Israel. And the interesting thing is that covenant changes, right? I mean, we've got three different covenants, right? Three different promises that God has with his people, with Abraham, with Israel, and then with Jesus. It's important for us in 2019 to sit back and realize that what we have before us, it's not all the same, is it? Well, sure. It, it's different. It's written, each of these books or letters is written in a specific time in history to a specific people and people group, right? And that can be beneficial for us in understanding. Otherwise, what do you do with Leviticus? Yeah. Well, I, I think what you're getting to is that there are a lot of people that, that will point to something in the book of Numbers and say, well, that's in the Bible. Yeah, that's right. So that's what I mean. That's what you're yeah, trying to get to, right? And, and, yeah, and that's, that's my Without point, understanding yeah. the, the context in which yeah. it was written yeah. to point to something greater yeah. that actually isn't contained in the book of Numbers. Yeah, right. That's right. And specifically with, with the Ten Commandments, a lot, of, a lot of people will point to those Ten Commandments specifically but there are 613 commands yeah, in the right. Old Testament, yeah, yeah. Right. right? So what do you, why those 10 and not the rest? So what we have in front of us is a collection of books written throughout history, and we don't handle them all the same. Now, does that mean that the Old Testament is worthless? Oh, no. Because you're, you're, you're provided the insight into how it all developed and, and how God was trying to work through uh, again, this process of, of leading to the divine plan of, of sending his son. So it has incredible validation for us. Uh, it, to me, the Bible, even though there's a lot of controversy around it, actually validates my faith because when you already said it, 66 books written by all these different authors over uh, you know, basically a 3,000-year yeah. period, uh, if you want to get kind yeah. of technical about it, and they didn't have any printing. They didn't have any way to validate with one. And yet, it all complements mm -hmm. the same scheme mm -hmm. uh, that you know that we believe in. So with, that really is miraculous within yeah. itself oh, yeah. that it all does that, which validates my faith. However, the, the problem is is we compartmentalize it. Yeah. But again, John, the reality of this whole controversy comes down to this: How am I saved? How am I saved? Am I saved by works? Or am I saved by faith? Yeah. All the law was given to Israel in order to bring order to a nation. Yeah. Okay. To give uh, to, to give uh, order to a nation. Yeah. Of a code of conduct that would help them understand what God's will was for their life. Yeah. Pointing to the fact that there was one coming, a Messiah, all through the Old Testament, that was promised to fulfill the law and give us hope beyond works. You cannot work your way to God. It is a relationship. And with regard to the law, it's important to, to understand and indicate that 
as we read throughout the Old Testament and we read the law that God gave to his people, there are three parts of that law, right? There's a civil law. It's how you deal with other right, people right, 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 in right, your right. country and outside your country. It's it's the uh, sacrificial law, right? How do you deal with God? How do you relate with God? And then there's the moral, moral law, law, right? Three parts of that law, three parts of this, what was it? Oh, I forgot. 613? Yes. 613 laws. Three parts of this, um, three sections of this. Now, some of those sections are still applied. Does God's moral law change? No, yeah. right? God's moral law doesn't change. Does the sacrificial law change? Well, I would hope so. Otherwise, we're going to be slaughtering lambs That's right. at church Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so and the New Testament deals with this in, in pretty great things because the question is, how are we saved? And and, and we have a, a written account of, of this, uh, this, this argument happening in the first century church. Mm-hmm. In Acts chapter 15, we see this controversy comes up. See, see, Jesus came and he was a Jewish person and the, the this good news came to Jews. Uh, but within 30 years or so, when Luke's writing the book of Acts, mm-hmm. we see that this has started to develop and, and reach outside of the Jewish world. And, and now To a community, Gentiles, they had no law background. They had no background in the law. Right? They were coming from really secular. I mean, they, they participated with temple prostitution and all kinds of craziness. All right, These are, these are unchurched people. Well, Paul starts t- taking this gospel and preaching Jesus to them, and they start uh, converting to Christianity. The problem came, however, is when the Jews said, "Hey, whoa, whoa! You got to be Jewish. You got to be Jewish first, right? <laughs> yeah, you got to be circumcised. You and, have to obey the Old Testament law." Yeah. And, and so now, all of a sudden, Paul comes through. He preaches this gospel to the Gentiles, and Gentiles say, "Yeah, we'll be Christians." And then some other Jews came behind Paul and said, "Wait, hold on! I got a knife." In order for you to be a Christian, you got to be circumcised. Right. It's now these guys are like, well, I don't know, I don't know about this. Yeah. yeah. What are you talking about? This uh, is a foreign. Who said this? Because yeah. no one. Paul told us we had to believe and put faith in Jesus. Yeah. There's some fine print for you. Right. right. There's some fine print. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and so now this guy pulls out a machete. He's like, "Come on, boys." Yeah. You know? Well, what's behind that? What's behind that is by nature we like to have very cut and dry before us. Here's what you do and here's what you don't yep. do with regard to everything. Yeah, I'm like By that. human nature, yeah. we're all like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think the tension, and I'm going to kind of cut to the chase here. The yeah. tension comes in this controversy. <clears throat> it, the same reason that Christians today are so embracing of the Ten Commandments is the same reason that McDonald's has success as a restaurant. It has a very limited menu, and you don't have to make any choices. Your choices are kind of made for you. <laughs> And I think people like that. I think it gives them security. You, if you go, if you post up the Ten Commandments and go, that's my code of conduct for life. I don't have to then actually think about my relationship with you or with him. I just got to do that. The problem with that, though, Jesus points out, doesn't he? He points it out, and that, that's the issue. Is yeah. because what what Jesus did, and he didn't he didn't lower the bar off of the law, which a lot of people, he, you know, Jesus nailed the law to the cross, and we could go to Colossians and all these scriptures that yeah. talk about how he did away with the law, and Paul writes about it extensively. The, the, the thing about it is, he didn't lower it, he raised the bar. Mm-hmm. He said, it's not just about not committing murder, it's about hating your brother. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah. if you hate your brother, then you've killed somebody in your heart. All of a sudden, wait a minute, yeah. just because I've never been arrested for murder, 
I'm still guilty. Yeah. Because the point is, is that, and this is the conflict that people have today, just like the Jews did, they felt like that they were in good with God because they were good people. Uh-huh. Good people don't go to spend eternity with Jesus. Yeah. Save people go that's to right. spend eternity with Jesus. Yeah. And that's, that's the tension. But it's easier for us to have rules than it is to have a lifestyle yeah. or a relationship. It's always easier to have rules. Yeah. You know, we were kidding Courtney earlier about being married and having kids. It would be very easy if we said, okay, by year two, you got to do this. And by year three, you got to do this. And by year four. But the different, the problem is, is that's not relational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was listening to a podcast. This came out in October. It was the Relevant Podcast. They did an interview with Andy Stanley. And he was talking about the relational value of Jesus' ministry. Mm-hmm. He said that like 27 years ago, he did an experiment um, with his church. And he started changing some of his language about how he talked about the Bible. Instead of saying, in the Bible it says this, he would uh, say, Paul writes such and such. Or And I think we've done this here. You say, in the, bi- in right. the biography of Jesus, we have this e- exemplified. And so he sort of, the I guess the title is, Reclaiming the New That Jesus Unleashed for the World, is the, the new covenant he's taking. And for the people who need the tie back to the Old Testament, he's tying the gospel to the Old Testament for them. And yeah. for the Gentiles who don't need it, being yeah. raised from the dead is enough for them. And so that's that's how we see the church move forward. But he said the main issue with with why he decided to shift his language was um, he noticed that young people, their um, in, their information about the Bible was not, it wasn't complete. Like they misunderstood some of the things. And I don't. And I think a lot of Christians even misunderstand some of the things. Yeah. So it's easy to ignore the Old Testament for some of us because we've got war, we've got a flood that kills all kinds of people, we've got injustice for women, and so young people who are looking at that, the culture that we live in says that those things are wrong and those things are not. They're not just. They're not loving. And so he's got to sort of adjust what he says because it'll be a turnoff from that situation. If you say the Bible says it, I believe it. Yeah. Okay, so to a young person in their 30s or whatever, they're like, oh, so you believe in genocide. and, and you So believe... slavery's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, that was his thinking behind yeah. doing this. So it's not just, he said over and over, this is not a theological change. It's not. It's not. That's right. This is the result well, of next you know, what shifted me, okay, because I've grown up in this. What, <laughs> what shifted me in my thinking in a way that I present and talk here was when I did have kids and they got to be teenagers, and I said, don't do that, and they look back at me and go, why? Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, it wasn't because I said so. That didn't cut it. Yeah. Right. People have to have a why. Right. What's, what Andy Stanley's trying to do is address the why. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't address the why, you can you commit intellectual suicide. Yeah. 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 And faith is not about committing intellectual suicide. It's not just that it's not being a puppet on a string. It is about there's a reason that God said certain things and did certain things. There is a progression of that. There's a reason for it, and it's in your best interest. And we—that's what—that's the language I use, try to use right. all the time in right. my messages because I think that's the big hangup that so many people have because mm-hmm. they look at this and they go, "I can't do that." Yeah. Yeah. What are you um, talking about? Well, I can't do that. I think along with that, one of the big things that we have to understand is how you know how we treat the Bible that we have today. It, it's important for us to understand that the Bible didn't create Christianity, right? <laughs> right? Right. The Bible, like, we're not Christians because the Bible says this and this and this. Christianity is created 
because of the resurrection of Jesus on the cross. Mm -hmm. That's what the New Testament writers constantly look to. James, the brother of Jesus. In Acts 15, this is a great story dealing with what we're talking about. How are we saved? Acts 15, Luke records this. And how James, the brother of Jesus, who is now a leader in the church. And that's one point that it's just important to point out. If your brother were Jesus, what must he do to prove that he is God? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he might act like it all the time, but... But when he dies and you see him dead, buried, and he raised from the grave, you believe. Yeah. And that and that and that's what happened with James, the brother of Jesus. And he becomes a church leader, uh, uh and, and and they deal with how do we how do we deal with those old testament? How do we deal with the Bible in front of us? Same thing we do. The Bible doesn't create Christianity. Jesus' resurrection created Christ Christianity. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Can I give a good metaphor to explain this? Please. Um, you all are all staff here yes. and work with me. And at some point we all interviewed and we talked. And all of you can validate the fact that when we talked about a position for all of you all to be a part of this ministry, one of the things that if, if you've ever thought it through, you probably haven't because why would you? But I didn't really give you any kind of a detailed job description. I gave you vague responsibilities. And there's a reason for that. And it, it comes down to this very topic. If I give you a very specific job description and I say, I want you to come in at this time and I want you to perform these four tasks uh -huh. every week. And I want you to, then what happens is in ministry, in life, I need you to do something else. Yeah. Because something else outside of that job description arises. And you look back at me and you go, that's not my job description. That's right. I'd love to be able to say that. It's not. I know you would. is why you're never going to get a job description. That's but not it's interesting. You do. I hear you do the laundry really well. Yeah. What What I needed and what I want, and for this ministry as well as any other ministry to be successful, is there's obviously some basic guidelines. Those yeah. are responsibilities that we all have. But if you all aren't relational in that and and have some ability to go outside the context of whatever a job description is, we will never be successful. We will never accomplish the will of God for our life. And I think this is this is what this argument is about. Well, it's not in my job description to have to be nice to so and so. Yeah. Think about because it. I didn't kill him. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, That's I mean, right. yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you made me think that what if my wife wrote down like a list of five things that I could do every day just to make her happy? And then it would be all peasy. Happy wife, happy life, right? That's a good but idea. It's but it's all it. relational. See, yeah. that's that's the issue. Yeah. And it what it does, that's why in Galatians 3, I've got it sitting right here in front of me, he talks about the law making us a prisoner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Paul talks about we're prisoners of the law. Uh, now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. That's the last verse he wrote in, in that particular uh, chapter. So, you know, my, my point is, is that you can get so hung up on keeping the rules that you miss the point of them. Yeah. The, the other part, you know, Acts 15 again, uh, James is addressing uh, the, the or, or is it Peter maybe? Yeah, Peter's talking to, to, to the Jews there. He says, why are we putting God to the test by placing a yoke, that's the, that's the law, putting the yoke of the law on the neck of these, that, uh, of these people who are converting that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? So the other part with the law and those can't live up to it. Can't you can't live up to it. <laughs> the purpose of that, Paul tells us, is to point out our error, right? So you well, can't to validate to the fact that there are some people that would look at the law and say, "I'm not a sinner. 
I haven't done any of those things wrong. I haven't yeah. broken any of those yeah. in their minds. Yeah, yeah. Which is why Jesus raised the bar. Yeah, yeah. Because all of sin have fallen short of the glory of God, right? Yeah, that's Romans right. Romans three twenty three, yeah. six, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know. So you know, the point is, is that He wanted us to understand. No, you're not righteous by what you do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you're only made righteous by what I'm doing for you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, time and time again throughout the Old Testament, we see the priests, the the professional God honoring people. Uh, we're honoring God with their lips and with their actions, but in their hearts, they were cold, they were dead, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that's that's really what we need to address for us is 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 our hearts. And so so you know we've we've been talking for a while. Let's let's take some real quick, short, easy to answer questions and really nail down this topic. Is Andy Stanley wrong in what he's saying? No, I don't think so. he's not no. wrong. No. He's not wrong. So. He's not wrong at all. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm appreciative of the fact that he said it because I think it brings up something that we just kind of try to sweep under the rug yeah. all the time because everybody's afraid to dabble with it. Yeah. But the truth of it is, is that it 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 brings to light the fact that we're not saved by works. That's we right. never have been. We're never. We're not going to be. And it's a lot easier to get mad about Ten Commandments being removed from schools and stuff like that. It's a lot easier to get mad at that instead well, of Well, it, it makes me heart. wonder what the conversation was. Again, here's an Old Testament story for you. When Hezekiah took the pole, the Asherah yeah. pole down that Moses built, put the bronze serpent on it, so everybody looked on it would be healed, and all of a sudden now it becomes an icon yeah. to their faith, and he comes in to clean things up and tears it down. Well, you can't do that. Moses put that up there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it served a purpose, but it's not where we're where we're at now. That's right. It's yeah. gone. Yeah, yeah. You're worshiping the wrong thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so along with that, then, how do we? How should we handle? Is the Old Testament God's word? Yes. Yes. Is it beneficial? Yes. Yeah. When 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 Paul writes to Timothy, all scriptures God breathed. What was he talking about? All scripture. All scripture. All scripture, and that includes yeah. the Old Testament, right? Yeah. So, uh, and specifically the Old Testament. Uh, when he writes that, he's talking about it's God. It's God breathed. It's beneficial. It's useful. It points us to the in the direction of Jesus. We shouldn't abandon. You know, there's some churches that we're familiar with that have removed the Old Testament from their Bibles. Right? Mm-hmm. That's a problem, right? Yeah. Like yeah, you, I agree with that. Like, yeah. like you should still read it and and study it, but understand that it is what it was written in a time and a space for a certain people group. It's beneficial for us, but we're not bound to that. Jesus raised the bar. But it's beneficial so that we can be fully equipped. That's, That's right. what the last half of that mm-hmm. verse says. It's it's useful for us to know, um, to know why the new covenant is so yeah. important. Why it's for all time for all people. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I guess that's all the questions I can think of. Well, you know, I think more. I don't know if there's questions, but just in the way that, like I think about things, you know, I tend to think things in different ways sometimes. Uh, I think just as this topic is cultural, you know, every book of the Bible was written, you know, in a context and in a culture. Mm-hmm. This Andy Stanley is bringing up something that's no different. He's speaking to a culture. Right. We're he's been taken clearly out of context, which you know, Christians have never done that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know, they've taken him out of context. He's clearly speaking to the, the culture that we live in. And while the Old Testament is useful and it's something that you know we can all learn from, it's not for everybody at first. Well, 
You know, yeah, it, we're not bound to that law. Right. We don't it, have to abstain from shellfish. The great irony of this whole debate is, uh-huh. is the very reason that people are so up in arms <clears throat> about what Andy Stanley is saying is the same reason, and I'm not making a comparison between Andy Stanley and Jesus, but, okay, what I'm saying is <laughs> but, the very same reason that everybody's up in arms is the same reason that, that the Jews killed Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he looked at him and said, "You're whitewashed tombs. You're you, you're full of dead men's bones. What's going on, on the inside is not consistent with what you're saying on the outside." And it's the exact same argument that people were just so. What do you mean you're doing away with everything that we believed in for centuries? And you know it's the exact same thing. And because Jesus was pushing a relationship, not a rule, yeah, not a regulation. Can I read? Sure. Can I read something? You from, can read from Galatians. Colossians chapter 2. This is really important for us to to get. Thank you. Mm -hmm. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarming the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or what you drink or with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and in the worship of angels disqualify you from the prize. Since you have died with Christ, to the ba- you've died to the basic principles of this, of this world as, as though you still belong to it. Do, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship and false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack value restraining indulgence. You see what I'm saying? This was the great controversy then. It's the great controversy yeah. now. By nature, all religions, all religions, I've preached this sermon so many times, all religion, every major religion in the world says if you get to God, here's the steps you got to get to get there. Boom, 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 boom. But the biblical the, reality. The, the, the difference is, and what sets Christianity apart is, is that you can't do that. Uh-huh. Right. Christ had to do that for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Because in your best efforts, you can't build that. That's right. You can't make that ladder reach all the way to God. You're not, you're not holy, you're not righteous, you're not perfect, or you'll never be. So we had to have a perfect sacrifice to do that yeah. for us. Yeah. And I think, that's what, I think that's what Andy's trying to convey. Yeah. Uh, the shock value of it <laughs> is, is maybe the best part of it for me because I think it gets us to think. Right. People don't We're like to think. It, yeah. Well, it's funny because we can read throughout the New Testament time and time again we see what you just read. I mean, that's Paul it's referred over and to over the, and over. the law being, you know, crucified with Christ several times. But yet we still want to defend and say, well, no, the, the Old Testament laws, but we don't practice it. None of us right. practice it. Right. You know what I mean? Or you practice part of it. Part of it, but not the other part. <laughs> you practice what's, Pick and what's choose. beneficial for yeah. you. We, we yeah. know. If we look at the Old Testament law, the sacrificial law is dead, right? Christ accomplished that, fulfilled that. The ceremonial law, or the civil law is dead, right? We live in a different government. It's it's a different time, right? But the moral law is elevated. 
Yeah, it's raised to raise the bar. Raised to a new standard, and that's what yeah. that's what the argument really is, and that's what uh, the 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 first century church and within thirty years of Jesus' resurrection, they dealt with this. In Acts fifteen, I encourage our listeners to go read that because it what we what we're dealing with now with Andy Stanley in this topic is what they dealt with then, right? Mm-hmm. How much of the law do you have to follow? Right. You know, and without opening a whole other can of worms, it only took about three hundred years for it all to revert. Yeah. <laughs> because immediately it went back as as uh, religion got in bed with the government uh-huh. again, and then all of a sudden there was, uh, and I'll use this term. Uh, so nobody gets offended. The universal church uh-huh. uh, became birthed, <laughs> yeah. and as a result, now it all went back to rules. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because rules are easier. Yeah, right. Yeah. The holy universal church. Good stuff. Yeah, there's well, another word for that. There, there's another word for that, and uh, if you're an astute listener, then you can. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, well, hey, we're we're almost done. We've been talking for quite some time. Final final thoughts, Courtney. We'll go around the table. I think uh, you hit it on the head when you read from Colossians. The Old Testament is important because it's a shadow of what is to come. Right. And I think that's how we need to deal with it wisely. Zachary. Yeah, we were talking about how Jesus, this was a couple months ago, we were talking about how Jesus raised that bar. And I had one of the students, and because they're juvenile or minor, I can't say their name, but they said, so we don't need to necessarily focus on outward actions, but inward feelings and thoughts and emotions and being receptive to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. And so if we'll do that, if we love one another, we won't commit the Ten Commandments. Yeah. And we'll be good regardless of And I think that you up. know, that's what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love, you know, love people like you love yourself. Yeah, love your neighbor, right? That all those commandments fall under that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You won't lie to your brother if you love him. You won't kill your brother if you love him. Yeah, the prophet and, Samuel. Yeah. For me it's very practical and very personal. I want my wife to love me not because she's my wife and has to. I want her to love me and compliment me because she wants to. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what God wants. Yeah. Right. And that's what this that's what this whole conversation is about. Right. Nobody wants to be loved by someone because they have to. Right. Because there's no love in that. Yeah. They want somebody to love them because they make that choice. And that's what God wants. He wants us to choose him. And therefore, when you have those feelings, it it affects the action automatically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. The behavior is a result of coming inside, and that's what Jesus was trying to get to. Absolutely. So, do you guys love me because you have to, or because you want to? It's according to which day you would ask. Me. <laughs> Today I love you. This true, people. This true. Well, very good, guys. Thanks for the chat today. Uh, uh, tune in next week for another topic. Uh, feel free to engage with us at Leesburg Christian Church at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at Leesburg Talks on Twitter and uh, Facebook and all those other places. So check us out there. Engage with us. Let us know what you might have us talk about, and we will talk with you're you. You're welcome, Andy Stanley. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you're welcome. We got you back, bro. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.